I'm kind of really excited to be here, be able to share with you guys tonight. Um, it wasn't even a year and a half ago that uh, I came to this church for the first time after not being in church for a while, and I sat right back there. So it's kind of amazing that within a year and a half, I get to sit up here and share some stuff with you guys. So that's pretty cool. Um, I was so excited to come. I left my Bible at home and everything, so I'm glad Drew came up with that. That app. I need to use it. That wasn't a that was an accident. There we go. Um, before I start, is it cool if I pray? Because I'm just so excited and nerves are running crazy. I just want to calm myself down. So if you guys would pray with me, I'd appreciate that. God, I have a complicated task tonight. I have to take your words. And through my human, jacked up, messed up life, and incomplete knowledge, I've got to communicate to these people what you want them to hear. And these people are all kinds of crazy. Some of them got teenagers they're trying to raise. Some of them still act like teenagers. Some of them love you. Some of them don't even know you yet. Some grew up in church. Some... This might be the first time they've ever been in church. And I have to speak your word in a way that resonates with them all. So I just want to acknowledge in front of them and to you that, that, that I can't do this, God, that I, I need you. Um, so take this message that's inside of me that you put there. Use me to project it into their head, into their heart. And when it gets there, I hope you, you jolt them to make a difference in their life, to do something. And that's my prayer. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, I got a lot of scripture tonight, probably too much. I just lost it all. You guys can, you can start turning to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 if you want. I'm not going to have you flip to everything I have tonight. I think i got like seven, eight different verses. But that will pretty much be where we're going to hang out. While you're flipping there, let me ask you some questions. Um, you guys ever bought anything? And then uh, when you get it home, you open it up, and it's just broken? No. Or ever order something online, and when the delivery driver shows up, he hands you this box, and it just looks like the, the truck ran it over? <laughs> yeah. My friend Russell, he's a delivery guy. It's kind of funny. Um, you ever you ever bought something and, and you're the one who broke it? That's me. I do it all the time, especially my phone. I, uh, I've always had the basic entry level model or like ever because I, I just wanted the phone to do two things: ring and get good reception. And uh, a guy at work started telling me about all these smartphones and uh, so many applications, and it's amazing what these phones can do. And I was I was like, all right, yeah, cool. I got to get one. This thing's going to change my life. So. Uh, I ordered uh, the Evo, got it, got it that night, hooked it up, did what everybody does, downloaded Angry Birds, played it for like four hours. Yeah, what it was made for. Well, the next morning, I was going out, going to go shopping, and uh, my phone rang with my first phone call. It was just just coming out of wintertime. So I reached in my pocket, still had my gloves on, and I pulled it out. 
And when I pulled it out, it slipped out of my hand, and it just started tumbling in slow motion. And uh, in my head, I was like, yeah, cell phone, pavement, ice, cell phone's not going to win that one. So in my head, I was like, I'll just stick my foot out and, and let it hit my foot, and then it wouldn't be so bad as hitting straight into the pavement. Well, since, I don't know, Mr. Miyagi would have been mad at me because I did like a karate kick, and this thing just shatters, and three to, one piece there, one piece there, and there's a little red thing goes flying off, and so the battery, the face, the back, and I was like, oh, man. I look around, I'm like, anybody see? And nobody saw. I was like, sweet. So I go, and I pick them up, and I'm still frustrated, and I go to get the battery with, with my big old bulky winter gloves on, and I hit it like a hockey putt, and it literally just skimmed across the ice and fell into the sewer drain right in front of the entrance of the store. The deepest one, and I was just like, man, why? Anyway, so I go and I, I get a new battery, and the guy's like, oh, hey, man, did you know you can get a case for that? And protect? I'm like, yeah, thanks, dude. A little too late. Um, you know, I seem to do that all the time with everything. And it's like if you, you ever got a car, a new car, and you, you park it, and someone parks too close to you and they ding it with the door. You come out and that's all you can see is that ding. Well, to this day, every time I pick up the phone to play Angry Birds, because that's when we really use three apps, I thought this thing was going to change my life. You know, I thought it was going to order pizza and do the dishes and tuck the kids in, but I just used two or three apps on it. No big deal. Um, but my, my attention always goes to the, to the face of the phone, which has got scratches from where, when it hit and slid. And I just get fixated on that. And, and it's not just the phone, it's everything. I remember my, uh, my truck. I remember when I got my first truck. It was kind of cool because it was a big deal to me because for like ever since the kids were born, like 12 years, I had drove minivans, like not even new ones, like old, old minivans. So long that, that I had the nickname Minivan Man. It was kind of... That's an awesome nickname to walk around with. Hey, there's the minivan man. You know, it's like teenagers at Spash were driving cooler cars than me. But anyway, so I was so excited to get this car. I was pre-approved the truck. I go down, and, and they tricked me, and they were like, well, you could have anything on the lot you wanted, but it was just really just that truck. So I was like, all right, that's cool. We test drove it. It took forever to get the financing done, you know, five, six hours just sitting there. And um, so I was heading home, and I was like, well, I'm, I want to take this thing on the interstate and see what it's got. So I hit the interstate and hit the on-ramp, and there was a semi-truck coming. I said, oh, I'm going to get in front of the semi-truck because they're, they're slow. So I haul butt around it, and I pull in, and right in front of me is a, is a dump truck from Florida hauling up limestone, which is soft little pebbles. And it says, stay back 300 feet. I wasn't even 13 feet off the bumper, and I swear that dude had to aim straight for the biggest pothole he could, and like 50 pounds of rock just falls off, and all I could hear is tink, 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 all over this brand new truck I just got, and I, I wanted to puke. I mean, I was like, oh, man. Well, next day at work, well, that's a funny story. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, well, I go, to, I go to work the next day, and, you know, I'm all depressed about my truck, brand new truck, and, you know, to me, it's ruined. It's got all these little dents. Well, the guys come out, and they're like, I have a nice truck. And even though they see a nice truck, all I could see was these little dents. And I, I found out that that's just how life works. I mean, we all make mistakes. And our focus turns 
to that one thing that begins to reorient everything. But I wasn't going to do question and answer, but I... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I was like, I was like, man, I, I suck, dude. Look what I did. But no, I didn't make no story. I told him the truth. But uh, it, it, be, we, it begins to reorient our life. Um, everything we look at, we just we start focusing on our dents. Um, what 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 kind of dents do you have in in your guys' life? You don't have to answer that out loud. Just you know. What, what's that thing that, that you can't help but see? Um, it's there. You wish it wasn't there. You know, I remember um, a couple years ago, I started getting this little bump on my neck. I started out with a little, little itty-bitty bump, and I, I thought it was just an ingrown hair or something like that. And uh, it, it's amazing when you get something like that because people just start pointing it out to you like, hey, what's that thing on your neck? And you're like, oh, I don't know. They're like, oh, you should get that checked out. I'm like, okay, I will. And then the next person's like, what's that thing on your neck? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. It's just a thing. And it kept getting bigger and bigger. And then I mean, people all of a sudden become doctors and stuff, and they want to tell you what's wrong with you. They're like, oh, my aunt's cousin Bobby's girlfriend's sister had a, a dude had a thing growing on his neck, and he never got it checked out, and it was a cancerous malignant thing, and he died. And you're like, okay, well, I'll go see the doctor. And you go to the doctor, and you're like, oh, nervous and stuff. And the doctor's like, uh, it's just a fatty little cyst. It's kind of gross. Right? Gross? Yeah. Well, he's like, I'll drain it. He goes, but it's just going to keep coming back. And it's just going to, you know, we, every so often come get it drained and, and come back. And it just comes a system. But we get fixated on that. It's like, like if you get a pimple and you mess with it too soon. And then next thing you know, it's like the size of your face. And you just draw a face on it and give it a name. You know, like, hey. <laughs> I'm Wes, and this is Bob. Just how we're going to roll today, you know? Shepherd Bob. Yeah, he was a good dude. Uh, And you want to cover it up. And even dudes, you guys know, you're like, hey, honey, where's that cover-up stuff? You know, we all don't want to admit that, but we try to cover stuff up. Yeah. Um, You feel feel like, like... when you have these things wrong with you that everybody's fixated on them and everybody's looking at them, you, you know. My whole life, I, uh, I've seen to struggle. And there, there's things that have just messed me up. And honestly, um, we like to live like, like we, we got everything figured out. Um, like, I like for people to say, hey, look, there's, there's Wes. You know, he's a, he's a seminary student now and you know, he's he's going to go be be in the ministry, and he, he must he must like pray every day. You know, he he's about to celebrate 14 years of marriage. I mean, he must just have the most amazing marriage, and Jessica's got to be like the luckiest woman in the world. But uh, you know, I got four kids, and and they're they're just perfect little angels, and yeah. But that, that's how we—that's how we like to live, you know. Like, like we got—we got it all figured out. Like, we, we don't have a bad day. But um, if I was gonna come up here and say, "Hey, you know, I'm a clean cut," you know, got my church clothes on tonight. I'm gonna be the—I'm uh, gonna be the next great preacher in America. I'd be lying to y'all. 
You see, because this is what my life really kind of looks like. See, these, these things, these are the uh, things that have dented and uh, messed up my life. These are things I struggle with. You, you can probably think of a few that would label your shirt. Um, insecurity, um, even leading up to tonight. I've always seemed to struggle with insecurity. You know, am I, am I, am I good enough? What if, what if I'm not me? What if, what if people don't like me? What if I don't say the right things? Um, and then you want to be somebody else. And that, that, that begins to beat you down. And it just it takes control of your life. Um, what else I got here? Well, this is a good one. Lust. Um, I can remember in fourth grade, I had a, uh, met a guy, another kid, best friend Tony. We did everything together. And it seemed like, um, like every weekend I was staying the night at his house. And I remember one weekend in particular, he, uh, his dad was a security guard, and he got called out to go do a third shift. And he gave us the house rules, you know, don't answer the phone, lock the doors, here's the emergency numbers, and whatever you do, don't go into my room. Well, you two tell two fourth-grade boys that that's, that's the first thing we did. And we got in his room, and we, we, we found a stack of pornography that was as tall as we were. And my eyes were open to a new world that uh, created a lust in me and a desire. And it, it went all through my teenage years, and it was something I did a really good job at hiding, but it damaged and ruined, you know, my life. Um, jealousy. You, uh, you ever have a hard time celebrating when something really cool happens for somebody else? I, I do. I mean, it's like I, I get that why me, like, look, look at everything cool's happened for this person. How come nothing cool happens to me, you know? Why, why not? Why not me? You know, and honestly, it's it's ruined some friendships along the line. Um, they just these these things just dent your life. Um, and th- this is the way I've lived for for so long. And uh, I know we don't like to say that in church. We like to come and put our church clothes on and wear our smiles and uh, pretend like everything's okay. And uh, it's. It's, it's cool. It's cool that, you, you know, you get in a fight on the way to church. You guys who are about to get married, if you're going to fight, it's going to happen on the way to church. It seems like every week me and Jesse are like, no, we're taking two different cars because that way we just don't fight. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, we, we, we feel that like we come to church, we need to cover up. But um, if I could pass out white T-shirts to everybody here, and Sharpie markers, and you could write the stuff that you're dealing with, it, it, it'd blow our minds. We, we'd be like, I had no idea that you dealt with that, and I had no idea that you struggled with that. Because um, everybody is dented, and everybody's damaged. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everybody. That's Everybody in this room, everybody who goes to school, everybody in this city, there's, there's nobody that's exempt to that, that scripture. It's, it's everybody. And, you know, I, I, I found out that our, our dents, our dents are a lot like car accidents. Is there any bad drivers in here? No? Y'all are great? Way in the back, there you go. 
Um, I'm actually pretty good now, but my first year, I had two car accidents. One, one wasn't my fault, and one was my fault. I remember the first one. We were, uh, we were all riding to school, and we had this old blue, big AMC Concord. It's like a tank. And uh, so I was driving up to school, and um, I remember we got stuck behind a garbage truck. And I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw this yellow Volkswagen Beetle coming down the road. And I was like, okay, that's cool. There was nobody driving it. But she poked her head up, and then I looked back and focused, you know, make sure I didn't hit the uh, garbage truck. And they make periodic stops. Well, I went to glance in the mirror again, and the Beetle is right there. And once again, there's nobody behind the, the, the seat. The lady was reaching down, and at 35 miles an hour, she just smacked us. There's nothing I could do about it. it I mean, it wasn't, wasn't my fault. Um, nobody got hurt. Good thing Beatles have the engine in the back. It's all fine. Um, and that's like how a lot of our dents are. It's, we had stuff that was done to us that, that we had no control over. And then I had my second car accident. Um, me and my little sister, Carrie, we were uh, going to go through this checkers drive through They had just opened up these checkers, and they had really cool fries. I don't I think we have one up here, but uh, um, so we were going to checkers, and um, I remember we pulled in, and uh, there was this white Cadillac in front of me with this old lady. You could hear her; she was struggling with her her order, and I, so I, I took the advantage to mess with the radio. I had one of those old school radios where you had to really dial it in. So I was down dialing it in, and she kept going. My sister Carrie kept going, "Hey Wes," I was like, "Shh, shh, shh." Hey Wes, I was like, "Shh, shh, shh." She's like, "Wes," and I tapped the the Cadillac. I mean, just ever so tapped it. That lady got out, started shaking this old, big, bony, old finger in my face. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. I was like, I'll meet you over there. I mean, we didn't have cell phones back then and all that. And I flipped out. I mean, I was only 16. I drove home. It was only like three blocks away. I pulled into the front yard, up around the side, and parked it in the backyard. Because I was trying to hide from, from my mistake. And uh, I'm walking into the house with my little sister. I was like, promise me you're not going to tell mom. Tell, don't tell mom what, what just happened. She's like, I'm I was like, okay, cool. Well, my mom was like, yeah, I thought you guys were getting some food. And I just walked past mom trying to ignore it. And Carrie's like, we, we didn't get any food. And she's like, well, why not? Carrie's like, Wes, why don't you tell her why you didn't get any food? <laughs> and I was like, I thought you weren't going to tell. And she's like, I'm not going to tell. You're going to tell. So, so I, I, I turn around and I tell mom what happened. And, and I stood there and I, I waited for her because I, I just knew she was going to blast me. And, and she didn't. She just said, I'm glad you're okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad nobody got hurt. <clears throat> and uh, so, you know, when, when I, so get two different types of accidents. Some aren't your fault. Some are your fault. Um, some dents, some dents in our lives are, are just like the first accident or the, my second accident. Some are just self-inflicted. Um, you know, maybe you can think back to your, your teenage years. Maybe you started uh, dabbling with drugs and then um, jump ahead 10, 15 more years and it's, it's not so cool anymore. Or, or maybe you hung out with the wrong crowd. It, at the time, it was a cool crowd, but you got in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, the Bible says, walk with the wise and grow wiser. It says, walk with fools and, and, and suffer harm. Um, some of us just hung out with fools and... Uh, some of us were the fools, right? No? Um, maybe it was uh, your freshman year. You know, you're like, "Hey, I'm, I'm not going to do this. The stuff I used to, I used to do." Um, 
It's a new start. And, and amongst that new start, you wanted to fit in so bad. So you just started jumping in with what everybody else was doing, going to the parties everybody else was going to, and drinking what everybody else was drinking. Or maybe uh, maybe your shirt was, say, say debt. Maybe, maybe you bought this, this line that uh, we have to have the, the best house and the, the best cars and wear the best labels. And um, we wind up stretching ourselves. And it, it does nothing but ruin us, in a, especially if you're married. It just kills your marriage. Um, some of our dents, they're, they're self-inflicted. It's, some of our dents, some of our dents were done by others. Maybe um, maybe came home one day to find out that mom and dad were getting a divorce. And as a kid, you thought, maybe there's something I could have done differently. Maybe, maybe I should have helped out more. But there's nothing you could do because um, our actions affect more than just ourselves. Um, maybe you came home and uh, you, thought, you thought your relationship was going great. You thought the marriage was fine. And you went to make a call and you picked up the cell phone and there was, there was a text message there. And uh, you, your heart got broken. Maybe, uh, maybe the doctor says it's incurable. And a word like cancer starts reorienting your life. You see, it's, it's, it's not something you did, but it, but, but it still marks you. All of us are dented. Um, I think back to what my mom said about that car accident that was my fault. And she said, Wes, that's why they call them accidents. You see, my mom knew something. She knew that my dent, that my dent did not determine my identity. That my dents, these things that I wear on this shirt, they don't determine my identity. That's not who I am. Your dent, your dent does not determine your identity. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Paul's beginning to explain to the church in Corinth, what it looks like to live a new life with the love and forgiveness of, of Jesus. And uh, it says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. You see, there's two ways of looking at things. You have the human perspective, and you have God's perspective. And for me, my natural way of looking at things is, of course, the human perspective. Um, I see the phone. You know, I, I, I fixate on the dent. I look at my truck. I see the dents. I look at myself. I see my dents. I look at you. I see your dents. That's, that's the human way of looking at it. Even though we look at things from the inside, we need, we need to change our perspective. We need to see things the way God sees it. God doesn't see the outside. God sees the inside. Um, in the Old Testament, there's a story. Um, there's this prophet. He was, he's going to this house, and uh, this house of this guy named Jesse. And uh, back then, they used to, they didn't vote for kings. They just picked them. So this guy shows up at Jesse's house. And he knocks on the door, and he's like, hey. I'm here, and good news, one of your boys is going to be the next king. Now, th- that'd be like someone from the, the White House showing up at your house and being like, hey, one of your kids is going to be 
the next president of the United States. I mean, you'd be excited. You'd be like, woo, kids, go comb your hair and brush your teeth and wash your hands. And yes, even, even the backside of your hands. Like, don't ask me why, but you got to wash the back. Get, get cleaned up and, and we're going to have a dinner and they're going to pick, you know, one of our kids to be the president. So um, the prophet goes up there and they line up the boys and the, the first one's sitting there and he's tall, dark, and handsome, you know, a lot like Pete. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Jesse's like, this is the one. He's the perfect one. I mean, he, he's the total package. And God says, no, this ain't the one. Well, they go to the next one and uh, they're like, how about this one? And no, he, he's not the one either. They go through the whole line and, and it's, it's none of the boys. Um, and, and the prophet goes, do you have any other boys? Isn't there any other? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, there's one. He's, he's out back taking care of the, uh, the animals. He goes, I didn't bother calling him in. I mean, I didn't want him to get sheep crap all over the carpet, you know. So they, they call him in, and next thing you know, they're anointing this, this little guy named David to be the next king. Um, goes along with that story. First uh, Samuel 16.7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, the heart, right? God looks past the external, past the labels, past the logos. He looks at the heart. When we look at ourselves, what do we see? No. We see our past. But God sees our potential. You know, we see our flaws, but God sees our future. We see our dent, but God sees our identity. When we look at ourselves, we see all kinds of junk. But that's not normally what God sees. When you look at yourself and you're being really honest, what do you see? You see a screw up or somebody that's a mistake. Maybe somebody said something to you and, and that, that, that something just resonated with you and it, it sticks with you. you know, what, what, what do you think about when you, when you lay your head down at night? So many times we, we see worthless and, and God sees priceless. Maybe you see coward, but, but God sees courageous. You see, it's hard for me to get an accurate view of my identity when I'm constantly focused on my flaws, when I'm looking at the areas of my life that aren't so perfect, that aren't good, it's hard for me to see what God really says about me. We have to change our perspective. Um, The message version says in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, Act like it. Pursue things which, pursue things over which God provides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Today, I want us to get his perspective. Because my dent doesn't determine my identity. My dent 
does not determine my identity. Your dent does not determine your identity. One day, your dent may have determined your identity, but Jesus wants to redefine you. He wants to tell you who you really are. The passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 continues, continues on to say that when we meet Jesus, everything changes. It says, and in verse 17 it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. Through Christ, you see, you see the moment we meet Jesus, all of this is erased. All of this is thrown away. That we've been redefined. The old is gone and the new has come. You know, not only did God create you, the Bible tells us that he, uh, that we were fearfully and wonderfully created. But, but he bought us back. Um, the fact that we're marked up, the fact that we dealt with fear, um, hurt, it, it doesn't push God away. He, he draws in close. Um, your dent doesn't change the fact that God wants a relationship with you. He desires you. You know, he, he wants you. God, God picks you. And just, just think about that for a minute. Think about the fact that, that God loves you, that he, God picked you right where you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to clean up. He simply says, I love you, I want you, I choose you. You know, Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. You know, a lot of times we think, God can never love me. And, and, the, and the answer is right. You know, you, you don't deserve it, and and neither do I. I don't I don't deserve it. But that's what makes God's grace so amazing. All of us have been there. That we all wish we could have done something differently, change something. It's it's His undeserved kindness that transforms our lives. Phone's not that smart after all. Told you. Undeserved kindness that transforms our lives. It's his undeserved kindness that throws away the old and makes us new. You know, a while back I was uh, reading a story from a young lady. She dealt with all kinds of abuse growing up. She dealt with abandonment issues. And she wrote out her feelings. And um, when, when I read them, it broke my heart. And I, I just would like to share them with you if I could. She wrote, I have known that I am damaged. I fear abandonment. I seek a father figure who will protect me and care for me. But sometimes I worry that I am too damaged. In a world of imperfection, am I perhaps too imperfect? I feel that I'm the type of woman that men want to be with, but would never love. Part of me feels that this is all I deserve. And sometimes I wonder if that is all I deserve. Am I too damaged? 
for anyone else. Maybe no one will ever see me as their everything. Perhaps all they will see is this damage that has been left behind. I've repaired it as best I can, but I know it leaves scars. I will never be whole. This damaged person is who I was meant to be. I, I read that and, I, and, I, and I, I say, no. No, the damage done to you is not who you are. I know that all over this place, there are people who feel like I've made my bed. I've got to sleep in it. You know, this is what I'm stuck with. And, and I want to say to you, and I, and I want to scream at her, I want to say, no, it's, it's, it's not. I want to I I let you know that the damage done to you does not define you. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Wouldn't you like to have peace with God? I mean, we live in a pretty jacked up world, and it's, to me it's comforting to know that Jesus says, Peace I give you. We can have peace with God. It continues to say, We can have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Check the past tense on that. Has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved. There's that word again, undeserved. Undeserved privilege. Where we now stand and we are confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And then verse 8 goes, But God shows, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, undeserved privilege. Undeserved kindness. Now, that, that's, that undeserved is, is what, what I find peace in. It's that it was undeserved. Um, once again, it's, these verses just go to show you that that your past, it may have defined you, but Jesus wants to redefine you. Today, everything can be made new. You know, God loves us, and he made us, and he bought us, even while we were still broken. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if you ever want to know what something's worth, you just got to see what someone's willing to pay for it. Um... In my garage and in the back of my truck, several PVs, I think seven altogether, some 13-inch, some, I think, 32-inch. Some got built-in VCRs. And uh, some there's nothing wrong with. They just outdated, you know. HD came out, and I, I upgraded. Some, like the ones with the VCRs, you know, the kids found that peanut butter and jelly sandwiches just fit in there awesomely. It's just the way, or they put the SpongeBob magnet up there, and then you got a big green spot in the middle of your TV. So I got all these TVs, and I was like, man, what am I going to do with all these TVs? I, I wonder if I can get something for them. So I threw them on Craigslist and see if anybody would give me a call or email, and I didn't get nothing. And I was like, well, I don't want these things. So I went to go throw them away and uh, took them to the dump, and the dump's like, oh, it's going to cost you $30 a TV to, to get rid of them. I was like, no way. I just throw them in a dumpster when no one's looking. They're like, oh, you know, you can't, can't do that. Take them to Best Buy. And I'm like, okay, show up at Best Buy. And, same thing, and I, I was getting frustrated. I was like, I got these TVs, nobody wants them. I was heading home, and I hit a thrift store. I was like, oh, donate them. I pull up and uh, talk to the lady, and I'm like, hey, do you take TVs? She's like, yeah, if they're in good. I'm like, well, I got like three that are good. She's like, all right, yeah, I'll take them, you know. 
I was like, cool. And I would load them. I'd bring them in. And she goes, where's the remotes? And I was like, oh, I haven't seen those in forever. She's like, well, then they're worthless to me. So in my garage, I have what at one time was thousands of dollars of TVs that, that are just worthless now. <clears throat> I lost my spot again. And God didn't pay some second-rate thrift store bargain basement discounted price for you. He didn't barter for a cheaper price because you've been messed up. You might be missing your remote or something like that. The Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 6.20, for God bought you with a high price. In 1 Corinthians 7.23, God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. He didn't try to get a get a deal. He paid top dollar for our lives. If, if you ever, if you ever want to know what you're worth, all you have to do is just look at the price that was paid for you. God paid that high price. He paid top dollar for our life. You know, I, I don't care if someone said you're worthless. I don't care about the words they said to you. But I want the words I want you to, to see and hear is the words that God wants to say to you. He says that he loves you so much that he paid a high price for you. And that high price was his son, Jesus. That high price was Jesus going to the cross, living a sinless life, being falsely accused of things he never did. Nailed to that cross, mocked, beaten, spit on. And he died on that cross. And then he rose from the cross. That's the price. When you feel like you're worthless, know that you're priceless. Because God paid a high price for you. I want you to hear this. The damage done to you does not change the price paid for you. When I read through the scriptures, I, I, I see that God just, he just loves damaged people so much. I mean, so much. He's, he's like a dad. He's like a dad who just loves his kids. Um, I remember a while back, Alyssa, she came home from school one day, and uh, she can be emotional, but this one day in particular, she just was super emotional. Came home, and uh, she's like, I hate myself, I hate my body, and I, I hate this. And uh, I was like, baby, baby, what's wrong? Now, I'm going to tell you the backstory. story. When we lived in Florida, and she was real young, she got tore up by mosquitoes all the time. She was just so sweet. They just loved to bite her. Well, she would scratch them. And she would scratch them so severe that they, they'd become open wounds and then, and then they would form scabs. And then being a pretty young girl, she didn't want to be scabbed up, so she'd pick the scabs. We'd be like, Alyssa, you, you're going to cause scarring if you keep doing that. And it's just something we really had to work on with her. Well, we finally got her to break the habit, but she was still stuck with these scars. And um, she'd go to school come home and, and this one particular day we had thought she had moved on past it and worked it out and she's crying about it and this and that and I, and I, I finally I, I got it out of her I'm like Alyssa what's, what's going on what's wrong with you she's like I, I, I hate my arms and I hate the way my skin looks and I'm like, I'm like what made you say this all of a sudden and she's like 
Well, well this boy at school said that I looked like I, I had freaky skin. Now, if you're a mom and dad, you, 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 know, you know what happens when someone picks on your kids. I mean, you snap, right? I was like, you tell me what booger-picking, snot-faced, fart-sniffing little kid said this to you. I was like, I'm going to go down to your school, I'm going to get down in his face, and I'm going to call his mommy and daddy. I'm going to take care of this. I mean, I, I got outraged. And uh, is it any wonder that, that we have a Heavenly Father who gets, gets outraged by the junk that gets done to us, by the things that get said to us, by the hurt that gets done to us? You know, I, I couldn't do anything to, to make her scars go away. All I could do was just wrap her up and give her a hug and let her know that, that, that Daddy loved her that I would do anything I could to help those, those scars go away. I would do anything I could to erase those words that were said to her. And she calmed down and she was like, well, Daddy, do you, do you think we can go to the dermatologist? And I was like, how do you even know what a dermatologist is? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, why do you want to go see a dermatologist? She's like, maybe they have some special cream to make my scars go away. And I was like, maybe they'll go away in time. They, they, you just got to got to do with it don't worry about your what people think about your freaky skin i was like do you think daddy's got freaky skin she was like no i was like oh yeah well look at this freaky thing on my neck you know (laughs) i would do anything to let her know that that her her dance the things she did to herself the things that were done said to her did not define her um and it's, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me that we have a Heavenly Father that would do anything to do the same for us. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father says, I'll do anything so that my kids don't buy this lie that the dent defines them. You've been redefined by Jesus. Not only does God love damaged people, but he loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Back in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a book, Isaiah, and it foretells the coming of Jesus. And uh, I just want you to hear what the writer has to say. Isaiah 53.3, it says, He was despised and he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows. Acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. <clears throat> he was despised and we did not care. Yet, our, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Isn't, isn't that kind of like our story and how our lives probably went? That's for me. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Why does God love damaged and dented people? so much because he allowed his son to 
become damaged and dented. To take our sins on him to the cross. He says, man, I love them so much. I love them so much. He, he took our dents. He wore my shirt. He wore your shirt. The things, the things that, that you don't even want to admit, he knows and he took them to the cross. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I asked you this question earlier. I'm going to ask you again. You don't have to answer out loud, but what's your dent? What's that thing that you've allowed to define you? Jesus, he, he wants to redefine you. He wants you to know that your dent does not determine your identity. That the damage done to you does not discount the price paid for you. Today, we can walk out these doors carrying the same baggage we walked in with, wearing the same shirt we walked in with. Or we can walk out those doors forgiven, free, restored, redeemed. Maybe today, maybe today there's a decision that you need to make. Maybe, maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Or maybe it's your first time back in a long time. Maybe you said, I'm amazed I'm even in church. I said I'd never go back to that place. I once said that. I'll never go back to that place. They, they told me I don't live the life that, that I need to live in order to go to church. Maybe, maybe, you feel, maybe you feel like I've been reading your mail. You know? Maybe you feel, maybe you ask, how, how do I know these things? These are the same things that you've struggled with and you've dealt with. I would say it's because it's the stuff I deal with. It's the stuff I struggle with. But I want you to know, he who has forgiven me wants to forgive you. And if you've never taken a moment just to, to let that rattle around in your head and in your heart, that, that God loves you despite the junk that you've done, despite, despite the mistakes you've made, he loves you. And today, he wants you to respond to his love. And, and I'll, I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Um, if you'd like to bow your heads and close your eyes, I'd like to have a little prayer for this. I, I want to I bow our heads and close our eyes because this moment, if, you, if, if you've never began a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. You see, the struggle we face is that, that, that we want to walk out here and clean it up ourselves. We, we want to say, I'll try harder, I'll do better, I'll, I'll fix it myself, and, and it can't be done. The only way that you can be made new is to simply say, I can't fix it. God, I need you. I, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, not just some little add-on that, that, that we go to once a week in church, but I want Jesus to be my life, to forgive me and cleanse me. If that's you, and you want to make that decision today, then I want to lead you in that prayer. Just say, from, from your heart to the heart of God. 
say, dear God, I know that I'm damaged. I know that I've messed up. I know that I'm a sinner. But I want to be made new. I invite you right now, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. I give you my life and all of my junk. All of my damage I give to you. And I receive new life right now. Say thank you, Jesus, for saving me. That, that's it. If you guys, uh, if you said that prayer um, while we sing, I, I encourage you, even though that was a, a private, private prayer from you to God, it's something, something you make private, but it's something that, that you live out boldly. I, uh, I'd encourage you to, on your way out, let somebody know about that decision. Meet with, meet with someone in the leadership team on the back. And uh, if anything you got from this, just remember that your dent does not determine your identity. Thank you guys for letting me share with you. Appreciate it. Love y'all. Guys, if you'll, you'll stand up, we're going to sing. If you need to pray with someone, uh, Pete will be in the back and, and Wesley will be in the back. And Wesley will remember to turn his microphone off for that. Um, and if you just want to tell him how much you appreciate him uh, speaking tonight, because this is the first time uh, Wesley's ever preached. So if, if you would like to tell him that, uh, why don't you do so afterwards, okay?